This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at reactroundup.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. This week on our panel, we have Lucas Reich. I always say your name different every time I think Lucas. <laughs> no, it's, it sounds good. It sounds from different parts of Brazil but each time, but it's still good. There we go. <laughs> Hello from New York. Uh, we also have Nader Dabit. Hey, how's it going? I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick reminder to go check out the pre-sale for the Get a Coder Job book if you're looking for a job. We also have a special guest this week, and that's, let's see if I can do this. Christopher, I can't see his name. <laughs> it's too long for the thing. Uh, Christopher Beekler. Beekler. Oh, I never would have gotten there. No, I it's, was going to uh, get that so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever had anybody get it right on first try at any time in my entire life. Awesome. Do you want to give us a brief introduction? Let us know who you are. Sure. So I am a uh, web developer. I started all the way over in design, moved into HTML and CSS uh, in, in the 90s and uh, moved into JavaScript in the early 2000s and have been doing those things ever since. These days, I spend a lot of time in JavaScript and not that much time anymore with HTML and CSS, but I still dabble, uh, especially I run my own business at closebrace.com and I do everything for that. So that's... Uh, that runs the gamut from design, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then also video editing, video recording, all that good stuff. I've worked mostly for startups my entire career, and I started my own company in uh, to late 2016, launched the site in April of 2017, and have been producing uh, tutorials for JavaScript developers ever since then. Gotcha. Cool, and this has nothing to do with coding, but I see you have the nice collection of guitars back there in the background. Yeah, I have a very nice collection that I do not get to touch as often as I probably should. I have <laughs> far too many hobbies, and so uh, sometimes the guitars end up hanging there on the wall, looking very pretty, but not actually getting used very much. It's interesting to me how many developers are musicians. Like how many people I talk to, yeah, they're either musicians or, you know, they have some other hobby where they make something or build something and so many people think of uh, computer science and programming as mathematical, and it is to some degree, but I see a lot of people who have some creative side that they unleash in other ways. Uh, Lucas and I were actually talking about that just uh, before everybody got on. I, I think that coding and building things on the web is a very creative endeavor, and I think that people who are attracted to that are probably also attracted to other creative creative endeavors that result in actually producing something, whether it's producing a song or producing, uh, you know, a piece of art or anything like that. Yes, I was uh, looking at Christopher's website and it's impressive. Uh, the tabs from his personal website, it's like web, writing, cocktails, beer, video games, music. <laughs> it's uh, an impressive assortment. It seems like I'm, I'm looking at Yahoo from the 90s browse all the cate cate different categories. <laughs> I know, right? The only thing he doesn't have on there is co cold forged seal or something. <laughs> well, I try to, uh, I try to split my time between a lot of different pursuits. Uh, some of them, like I said, the guitars, uh, for example, get ignored a little too often, but you know, I, I like doing stuff. I like making stuff and I like trying new things. So inevitably when I get it, you know, for example, the beer making was, uh, started as a lark 
And then I got really into it and was writing my own recipes and everything for a while. Our, my current kitchen doesn't support it too well, so I don't do, as, do it as often as I used to, but uh, it's still something I really enjoy. And it feels really great to sit down and crack open a beer that you actually made and have it actually be good. Awesome. Now you have this course, and, and this is what we brought you on to talk about, is uh, you have this course that has 84, it looks like it says 86 lessons on the... Uh, the reason it says 86 is because there's a uh, wrap up at the end. So that adds one. And there's also what I ended up labeling is uh, a 0.5 course in it, which was basically a, an extremely quick addition when I realized something I had done broke part of the site. Uh, and so I needed oh, gotcha. to real quickly uh, fix that. The reason that that's in there and that I didn't just sort of paint over it is that at the time that I built the course, I was releasing a video and associated text tutorial every Tuesday and Thursday uh, on a schedule. So at the time, I was not far enough ahead to have realized that I had broken things before posting the tutorial that did so, which was one of the reasons why I started doing a backlog of tutorials. So I was always at least a week and usually two weeks ahead. And now I've switched approaches to actually building the course building the entire app, making sure everything works, and then releasing the entire course at once instead of doing a week-by-week week update. Makes sense. So, yeah, anyway, um, I'm, I'm a little curious about what your process is for creating these videos. And I'm also curious then with our panel, if you guys have done any videos like this and what your experience has been as well. I am uh, I'm happy to talk a little bit about how I do it. The, the first thing I try to do is figure out product to build. Generally focus, currently with my tutorials, they're mainly focused on getting started with technologies. They're not necessarily deep dives into the super high level stuff. So I tend to focus on sort of MVP products that are super easy and not too crazy feature rich or complicated. That said, the the one I chose for this particular course, which is called 5-Minute React, is a website a little web application called Music List, which just allows you to query a third-party music database, add music to your account, uh, either artists or albums. And then you can theoretically go and look at other people's lists. But even that, because the tutorial includes building the entire backend, uh, full REST API and everything with authentication, as well as the front end, ended up being a very long tutorial. The process by which I do things uh, these days, especially is that I I build out the app and then I actually go through and rebuild the app from scratch as I'm recording the tutorials, writing them and recording them to make sure that everything that I'm saying to do actually works. I start with a script. I write that in usually in a markdown editor because that allows me to both read the pretty version while I'm doing the recording and uh, then have the markdown available when I need to produce the text version of the tutorial. So uh, there's certain things where I'll mention stuff in the video that doesn't work in the text, for example, like leave a comment on YouTube. So I have to be careful there to make sure that that doesn't end up in the text that's on the site. But for the most part, the script is what goes up as the text tutorial as well. And then I, I do my video editing in Adobe Premiere. I'm self-taught there. Uh, so I've come up with a system that works pretty well, but I would not say that I'm any kind of master video editor. Uh, but since it's mostly screen share, it's not too uh, too difficult. Gotcha. So do you record your videos while you're actually writing the code? I mean, actually, I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you talk and write the code and record all at the same time? Or do you record your coding and then go back and do a voiceover? 
I talk and write the code at the same time. The way I did it for five minute react is that I was, I would actually have a document that I was pasting code from, uh, and I would just paste a snippet, talk about it, paste a snippet, talk about it. And then I remove any dead air, uh, during the editing process. Uh, the way I'm doing things, I release a free weekly tutorial. That's just a, a short tutorial on any particular JavaScript subject that pops to mind. I've done things like array.filter or the new ES6 arrow functions, uh, that kind of stuff. With those, I write the code. I actually type all the code out, but I do tend to speed it up to keep the videos reasonably short. So I'll do some talking and then type out the code that I'm going to write, speed that up by about four to 500%, which is still readable. And I give people time to pause at the end before I kick back into talking in case they want to really look at the code that's being written. So that's, that's the approach I do. I, I actually write the code as I'm doing the tutorials. I found that incredibly hard to do. I don't know if anyone else has tried to do that, but it's like you're sitting there trying to actually write some logic. Or even if you have it already written and you're just kind of copying it over, it's just, I just find it so hard. I've, I've always found it easier to, to, you know, code it out and then, and then go back and just do the audio completely separate. But I know everyone's different. I'm kind of curious if Charles or Lucas has had any experience in this either. I was going to say, I did a screencast series for a few years and I'm, Currently doing a video course, though it's not, this one's not coding, it's finding a job. But yeah, my process is basically, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll kind of putter around and see what people are interested in. The get a coder job course is mostly because that's what people ask me more than anything else. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make a product for this. And that way, you know, people can go buy the ebook or they can go buy the video course and, uh, you know, take advantage of that. But yeah, when I was recording, I I always have uh, basically just done a quick outline. So I know what I want to do. Sometimes I'll have code snippets out there. Usually what it is, though, is instead of having code snippets in a document, I'll have a basically a private repo or a branch where I've already done the that part of the tutorial once. And so I'll just go back through it and recreate it. And uh, I just talk my way through it. And I don't have a script. I just work my way through it that way. And then if I'm really interested in using that particular, you know, what, whatever I said is the text, which I'm usually not, but sometimes I am. Usually I just flesh out the outline when I'm done as the text. And, you know, but you can get it transcribed. So I've done that before too. But that, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my approach to it. And then, yeah, usually I wind up editing it. I record in ScreenFlow, so I wind up editing in ScreenFlow most of the time because I, I only need the basic tools that are in there. I have a license for Adobe Premiere and for uh, Final Cut or Final Cut Pro. So occasionally I'll reach for those, but not that often. And I'm really not proficient with them. So anyway, that that's kind of the way I've done it. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I never, I never recorded uh, a tutorial before, like a video tutorial, but I've, I've written uh, a bunch of uh, blog posts that are tutorial style. And I can relate to the first I build myself, what I intend to build in that tutorial. And then I, I rebuild it, like the rebuilding process while you're writing about it or while you're teaching it just to someone else. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting take. And I, I really feel I learn a lot on the process. That, that, that's the moment where things like actually like cement on my mind, rebuilding stuff. So... But definitely, when, when you work with video, you have this real-time thing going on. So probably it's like a different level of difficulty. 
One of the bigger problems I run into with recording in real time is that, and doing the coding in real time, is that my particular recording setup, I have a pretty large microphone with a pretty large uh, sound baffle right in front of my face. Uh, and I do my recording on, a, on my MacBook Pro and I can't see the keyboard. So I don't, you know, I mean, I've, I've been typing for forever. So I, I mostly just touch type, but something about not being able to like occasionally glance down makes me feel like I'm typoing constantly. So there are times where I'll get halfway through writing out some code and then be like, okay, note to self, delete this part because we're just going to start over and I'll just delete the whole thing and go back <laughs> and rewrite the code. If I think there've been too many typos, you know, I, I try to leave some amount of errors in the, the feedback that I've gotten from users seems to actually, it seems to be that they appreciate that they like to see there's occasional things where I'll type a whole thing out and then go hit refresh in the browser or whatever to show what's happening in the console and just get a big error and be like, okay, what did I screw up and go back and show that. And people tend to respond to that. I think there's a feeling, I think it's especially a good feeling for people if they're watching you write the code and they're like, no, 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 that's wrong. And then they get the validation of seeing that it's wrong. And then you go back and fix it. For some reason, people enjoy that as opposed to seeing it as a failure on your part. I think it reminds everybody that no matter where you're at in terms of your development abilities, in terms of what skills you've happened to pick up, you're still going to make mistakes all the time when you're coding. And that's just part of the gig. Yeah. When I did Teach Me to Code, I left the mistakes in. Unless I just spent like an hour looking stuff up on Google and stuff, you know, I'd cut all that out. Right. But yeah, people got to me all the time and basically said, we really appreciate you leaving the mistakes in. And for them, it wasn't even just vindication that, oh, I saw something was wrong and it was actually wrong. It was just when I was, you know, because it was, I tried doing something very similar and I ran into that problem and then I knew how to fix it or I knew how to troubleshoot it. And so it paid off for them that way. It gave them an example of how I approach, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, that makes sense. They can, they can also learn from watching you debug in that case, yeah. like, okay, what did I, what mistake did I make and how do I figure out hopefully quickly what that mistake is and, and get it fixed? Yep. Most of your tutorials are beginner focused, right? <laughs> Yes, in the sense that it, they're not really beginner focused in terms of beginner to JavaScript. Uh, you need to be an established JavaScript developer to get much out of Closebrace. But the tutorial I'm working, the tutorial I released, uh, Five Minute React, is definitely you are expected to have zero React knowledge going into it. You're expected to know uh, the basics of JavaScript, but even most of the ES6, ES2015, 16, and 17 stuff is explained just in case people are not up to date on that. The tutorial actually starts out ridiculously at the beginning with, you know, installing a text editor and getting uh, certain stuff installed for that, uh, certain modules and everything. But uh, once you get to the React stuff, it's, it's really like, okay, here's the basics of how React works. Here's a, a, a one-line test component. We'll get that rendering and then we'll move up from there. By the end of it, you're working with uh, Redux action and reducers and you've built out several different components and you're moving between them and you have a spinner running as things are loading and all that good stuff. And I, I think, and the feedback I've gotten from people who have taken the course is that it is, it's really complete and it really helps them understand all of these different moving parts uh, coming from zero. The course I'm working on now is a React Native course. Uh, it's called Dead Simple React Native. And I'm hoping to have that out soon. And it basically, it, again, it's a beginner course, but it's beginner to React Native. It assumes that you know React. 
So it doesn't explain things like how the component model works or how props work or that kind of things. So it's, it's sort of all, currently it's all sort of built to build on itself. So if you take the five minute React course, you should be ready for the dead simple React Native course. My plan in the future is to expand to doing other tutorials, you know, I might tackle Vue.js, I might tackle GraphQL, uh, I might take a look at Angular. I haven't, I'm basically going by what my users and my listeners are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I talk to Joe Eames on a regular basis. He's on a couple of the other shows and he's been authoring for Pluralsight for a long time. And uh, of the top 100 courses at Pluralsight, I think like 70% of them are intro to or how to get started with or something like that. Uh, you know, something, something fundamentals. And so, you know, if, if you're out there trying to put out content that people are going to want and consume, I mean, that that's what people are going to be asking for. You know, eventually, I guess, as you exhaust the getting started with stuff, then people might come to you and say, okay, we want an advanced whatever course. But yeah, it, it makes sense that that's where you would go to and start. And uh, I'm looking to do something somewhat similar. And yeah, that's where I'm starting to is my idea is basically learn blah, blah, blah in an hour, right? And so you get a basic overview in an hour of, you know, enough to get you started and get you building something. But, you know, it's the same idea, right? It's here, let's get you started. Ooh, I like that idea a lot. (laughs) That sounds, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that definitely, I agree. That sounds great. I, I think people are also attracted to shorter Shorter yeah. tutorials, shorter courses. That's uh, one of the things with 5-Minute React is that it's an 84-tutorial course, which one of the lessons I learned from building that course is don't build an 84-tutorial course. It's too, it's too big. <laughs> um, but at least with that, the reason it's called 5-Minute React is because most of the videos are right around five minutes long. They're, it's broken up into manageable, digestible chunks. You're not, you don't open the video and see like, oh, 35 minutes or 48 minutes of just wall-to-wall coding because I thought that would be really intimidating for people to try to do it that way. So the the goal was to keep it short. And most of them, there's a couple of them that run long. Usually it's because I'm showing how to do something on, on Mac and on Windows. So I have to record, record both, but that allows most users to skip half of what's happening. But yeah, for the most part, they're all around five minutes and it's for the same exact reason. Like, hey, let's let's learn something in a, in a bite-sized chunk. Yep. You know who does a really, really good job of this is Egghead. And it's, it's interesting because everyone on Egghead is a different person, but they've gotten to the point where their style ends up being almost consistently the same across different videos. And it's because of their editing process and their guidelines. Basically, um, it's kind of just like a, a very condensed version of what you might see elsewhere. And I think they've done a really good job of, of making that platform work. And it's one of the places that I really like to go to to get my content because they're usually uh, anywhere from one to five minutes long. And you can um, usually take a 10 to 15 course series or less on anything and kind of get a good rundown or a good intro. I believe the uh, smaller videos is also good when you're going to recap something. Like yep. you watch, you already watched everything and now what, what's that small part again? And then you can find it really easily. Because it's all like five, you don't need to like scroll through like a one hour video or something like that. Yeah. Well, my intention with my course is actually to basically break it up into 10 minute segments. And so you get six, six, 10 minute videos. And the, here's how to set this up in Windows or Linux or Mac. 
that that will be it, it'll be a bonus video basically because it it's not core content it's just here's how you get started christopher i i have another uh, uh curiosity here if uh, i wonder people give you a lot of feedback probably like from 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 the course i wonder like what parts of react in this in this react course what what part part do people have most difficulty with uh, I would say the the most common areas that people have difficulty with part of the course actually is not not React based. It's talking about building an API uh, using Express.js, and people get really confused by how Express.js's middleware middleware works. So that's that's an area that I end up having to sort of explain to people uh, on occasion, like what what is this doing? How does this work? How does sort of the uh, the request response system work and how does middleware impact the request as it's moving through another area that the course uh, covers in depth, but which is difficult to teach to people without just them getting enough experience to start to internalize some of the contact uh, concepts is Redux. The actions and reducers in Redux, once you're really comfortable with it, I think it's really straightforward but I remember learning it and it did not seem really straightforward to me at the time that I was learning it, particularly because I was learning it for a client who was paying me to produce something. So I was under a, an incredible amount of time pressure to do it. And the, the whole sort of action and reducer paradigm uh, was very confusing to me at the beginning. I try to make it very clear what everything is doing, how it all works, but I definitely have gotten questions relating to that. Other areas that people struggle with a little bit are things like uh, parent-child communication in React, uh, where to use, how best to use props, I guess is what I would say. And I am, uh, I'm a big fan of the container component and render component model. And so some people are confused about why are we doing this or, you know, where should I put my logic versus where should I put uh, event handling and that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's interesting. It's it's also uh, it's very similar to my experience. Like when I teach React to to junior devs or people new to React, like trying to understand the patterns of like where do I do this state stuff. And yes, and an, another thing that I I also see that people struggle a lot with is that React seemed to be brought back the, this keyword and people get very confused by it. Yeah, it, this is, I've, I've seen people say before, including Dan Abramov, who's on the React team at Facebook, that if you truly understand how this works in JavaScript, then you truly understand JavaScript. I, I will admit I've been working with JavaScript for years and I have a pretty good understanding of how this works, but there are definitely times when I still get tripped up. React uses it extensively and it, it does become confusing, you, you know, especially with if you're using class-based components, which makes sense a lot of the time because they give you access to React's lifecycle methods and all that. You have to either do binding in a constructor or you have to be using ES2017 classes and transpiling down from that, or you need to be using arrow functions so that they inherit this differently than, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes confusing at times. Another area, you, you mentioned state. Another area that I get questions about pretty frequently is uh, the difference between component state and your actual application state or what Facebook calls the, the store in the flux paradigm, which are definitely two different things, but they interact with each other. And it can be confusing 
just understanding the difference between the two and then also confusing deciding where should I store this in the components this dot state method uh, variable or should I store it in the store and that's something I get questions on relatively frequently. Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean, the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash roundup. So if you're doing, so before you're doing these screencasts and teaching, were you already doing some of this like uh, as part of your, like a side thing, like when you were doing your regular work and, and then you kind of decided to move into this full time? That's my first question. And my second question is kind of uh, along a similar vein. How do you keep up with what's going on in the industry if you're not building real projects? Because when I say real projects, like working in, a, in an actual code base with the company, because I've, I've been, I did training for a while and during my time doing training, I had, you know, this same issue where I was, uh, I felt like if I wasn't working on an actual project, I was kind of falling behind a little bit. Sure. So to answer question one, I started doing React development specifically for clients about a year and a half before I started my own company. JavaScript development, I've been doing for uh, both full-time and contract clients for, for years and years. I worked at a bunch of startups in the 90s and early 2000s. I worked at one called GameSpy.com. I worked at uh, the dating site OkCupid. Uh, and I've worked for a San Francisco-based startup for five and a half years. I, during that time, I was building an analytics dashboard. I started doing that in jQuery, realized that that was going to be a nightmare and ended up teaching myself Angular, Angular 1, and doing a bunch of it in that. So yeah, I mean, my, my experience is informed by working for companies and clients, for sure. And the reason that I moved to building Brace is that I, having worked for so many startups in my life, I really wanted to try to build my own company. And when I was thinking about different potential ideas, I had had, in 2013, I released a couple of Node.js tutorials uh, just on my personal site for, uh, mainly as a resume builder, really, and to sort of get my name out there and uh, have something I could show to people to say, look, I, I know how this stuff works. And those ended up becoming very popular and getting picked up by a bunch of places. And I had quite a bit of traffic coming to them. Uh, I still, to this day, have quite a bit of traffic coming to them, although they're hosted on Brace now. And so when I was thinking for ideas, I was like, well, you know, those tutorials did really well. And I really liked being able to give something back to the web development community, which is my, my entire professional career has been in that space. And I really liked interacting with people and helping them get to that aha moment of understanding what they were working on. Uh, so I thought if I could build a company that allowed me to do that, that would be something I would really enjoy working on uh, and hopefully would be something that would be able to uh, support me in moving forward. So as far as keeping up to date goes, I follow a ton of people. Uh, I follow the entire React team on Twitter, follow, well, I'm going to mention one of them in, in uh, my picks at the end of this episode, just a bunch of people in the React scene, in the JavaScript scene. I pay a ton of attention to things like the annual JavaScript survey in terms of seeing what people know, what people are looking to learn. 
And then I go out and I spend a decent amount of time playing around with those things just for my own edification. The other thing that I do occasionally do is pick up some contract work. It helps me keep clothes brace running. And it generally allows me to do exactly what you're talking about, where you get yourself re-immersed in working with other developers, in learning whatever new technology is coming, uh, whatever new techniques are being applied to that technology. Additionally, I try to listen to some podcasts and that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a combination of things. And there is always the concern, like, am I falling behind? But I, you know, part of the job is to try to make sure that you're not. So you, you have to be willing, if you're going to be writing uh, tutorials, and especially if that's going to be your main job, I think you have to be willing to spend some of your time reteaching yourself things as they change or as they come out. So you mentioned that you were doing some consulting um, here and there, and you set to kind of keep Clothes Brace running. Um, how, is, how is the business going so far? And are you kind of happy with where it's going? And um, how do you get new leads and like new customers and stuff like that? So for the first year of the of running Close Brace, I was sort of heads down in building out the site and then building the, the first tutorial series. And uh, I was operating on a sort of, if you build it, they will come mentality, which is not really the best approach. And I was operating the site as a subscription-based site. Uh, it was producing the content for free. And then the subscription allowed you access to certain support resources and would turn off advertisements uh, that I was running on the site. That turned out to not be a particularly good approach. So uh, a little over six months ago, I started working with a consultant. He's really smart guy and really understands sort of the marketing and biz side of things. His name's Jonathan Stark. He wrote a book called Hourly Billing is Nuts. He's pretty well known in a lot of development communities. He's he also I, a regular on our freelancing show. All right, there you go. He, uh, he and I worked together um, to sort of answer that, uh, the exact question of like what, how... How do we get this out to people? We worked to rebuild the site as a, the tutorials, like I said, now are just, here's a tutorial. You pay for the entire course upfront. There's no subscription service. There's no ads. Uh, another area of really high focus for us has been my email list, which I send out a free uh, tutorial to every week, as I mentioned. And at the beginning of the year, the email list had 1,600 people on it. Most of those were remnant addresses who had signed up um, at my old tutorials that I released in 2013. Over the course of the last six months, a little more than the last six months, we, I've gone from 1,600 people to 4,600 people on the email list, um, which is tremendous growth, super happy with it. And that, that sort of has become the area of focus is like, find the people who are interested in signing up for your email list and interested in your content, because those are the people who are going to most want to support you and most want to uh, purchase your offerings as you put them together. Other air, I continue to learn about business and marketing, uh, you know, coming from a development background, I have not spent a lot of time in those areas. I was a little worried when I started that I was going to find them tedious or frustrating, but I actually think they're really interesting. In general, I think People, uh, people, especially in development, hear the word marketing and they think it's some sort of thing where you're trying to convince people to buy stuff they don't need. And that's not, that's not the kind of marketing I'm interested in. The, the kind that I'm interested in is like, hey, I have this product. I think it can help you. If you also think you can help, it can help you, then you should buy it. And so that's, that's an area that I'm still learning and working on. Uh, I was extremely fortunate with Close Brace that I had uh, Runway. I was a, a very early employee at OkCupid and early employee at GameSpy, and both of those companies sold. 
so I had some amount of savings. I do not have any Ferraris in my garage or anything like that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. hopefully yeah. someday, right? <laughs> but not yet. But I had some savings and um, my wife and I talked it out and decided like, okay, we'll live off the savings for a while and we'll, we'll get this thing off the ground. Now I'm reaching the point where close brace needs to generate more revenue than it's currently generating. So that is one of the reasons why I'm, uh, why I'm taking on some consulting work, but I'm really excited about this react native tutorial. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be really good and really fun for people to build this little application. And I'm hoping that that'll get some, that'll get some interest and continue to increase the amount of traffic that's coming to close brace and, and revenue that it's generating. Nice. So somebody's looking to get into making tutorials. I mean, I, I tell a lot of people, a lot of different things. I'm curious what your advice is. I think my, f- I think my first advice would be find your voice kind of a, kind of a strange thing to say, but there's, there's a ton of resources out there for developers to learn. You can do books, you can do entirely stack overflow, you can go buy tutorial courses, you can do pair programming. There's, you know, there's a nearly infinite list of ways to learn things out there. What differentiates your offering from anybody else's offering is your voice. It's how you choose to present the information, whether you choose to be super excited or super sarcastic or very straightforward and dry. Any of those things are going to work for some people and not work well for other people. Within that, I would say also is, you know, decide whether you're going to do text or video or both. Uh, Each of those has their own challenges. And that's part of establishing your voice and your approach. After that, uh, you know, the next piece of advice is figure out what you really want to teach. I don't think it's a good idea to choose topics or subjects based on what you think is going to sell the most copies or get the most views or anything else. I think it's more important to be excited and interested in what you're teaching. If you're not, if you're not interested in what you're teaching, I really think that that's going to come through. Uh, if you're just doing it, quote unquote, for the paycheck. Yeah, these are all, these are all great tips. One, one thing that I, that, that I find interesting too is that whenever I'm teaching something, I, I try to, to remember like the feeling when I was learning it. Because I think this makes you like, I remember, I think it was like a Harrison Ford interview, one of those like big uh, actors. He said that whenever he's recording the the movie, he thinks of the first feelings that he had when he was uh, reading the script the first time, because that's like probably the, the emotions that the viewers will have. So I always try to like when I was learning this thing that I'm teaching now, like how, how what were my my main dif- difficulties? Like, what were I thinking? Why did I choose to learn this and stuff? And I think this this helps a lot, like relating to to your viewers too. I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, as I was saying, when I when I first learned React, uh, it was because a, a client hired me to learn React, and I, you know, I told them at the time, I don't know this software, and they were like, "That's okay. The other guy you're working with doesn't know it either." Yeah, we're going to learn on the ground. And uh, it was classic. It, it was four to six weeks of just exhausting terror. Uh, just a constant, you know, me trying to figure this stuff out on the run and produce useful code for this client and saying to my wife, like, oh my God, they're going to fire me any minute now. Like, this is, it was very stressful. And then at about the four to six week mark, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I understand what I'm doing now. 
okay, I can actually do this and, and move forward from here. And I ended up having a, a pretty lengthy and beneficial relationship with that client and we're still on good terms today. So remembering that as I was building the React course was part of the reason why I got so granular in terms of my approach to it. And, and I made sure also, one of the things that I've run into over and over again when, I, when I'm trying to learn something is that I often find a lot of Hello World tutorials and then the next level up from that is like, here's how to build a blog with comments and all this. And there's, there's not a lot of intermediate steps available sometimes. And so that was, that was my focus with the tutorials I wrote in 2013 for Express, uh, Node.js, Express, MongoDB. They are really granular. They're probably over long, but they explain every single step. They go through everything that Express generates and they tell you exactly what the lines of code are doing and, and everything else. I took a similar approach with my React course. I didn't get quite as granular, but it's still, it's really, really broken up and really tries to step you through everything. And I think that that's, that's informed by my own experience with both with trying to learn these technologies. Well, this has been really, really interesting. Uh, do you want to just tell people how to find you online? Uh, sure. Happy to do so. Um, obviously, you can go to closebrace.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. That's a great way to keep track. I do right at the beginning of each newsletter. I talk about what I was working on that week. It's like a paragraph or two. And then we jump into the tutorial. Uh, I also give a, a resource every week in that new newsletter. Just basically, it could be like a GitHub repo or a module that I've found that I think is cool. Uh, anything that I'm working with or just have thought would be interesting to people reading the newsletter. You can follow me on Twitter at, at closebracejs. You can follow my personal Twitter if you want to hear me talk about the NBA and video games way too much. That's <laughs> at CWBeekler. So at C-W-B-U-E-C-H-E-L-E-R. Those are the best ways to keep in touch. I had a Facebook page for Closebrace for a while, but it really wasn't, didn't seem to be of interest to people. So I, I took that down. Um, so the, the close brace Twitter and the newsletter are definitely the two best ways. You can also email contact at closebrace.com. I read every single thing. I respond to every single thing that comes in. So, or you can just hit reply to any of the newsletters and it goes to that same address. Awesome. Anything else you guys want to jump on before we do picks? All right. I got the nonverbal shaking of the head that nobody can hear because this is an audio <laughs> podcast. Nobody can see. Podcast. All right. Uh, Natter, do you want to start us with picks? Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers. Or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Yeah, sure. So um, my first pick is a book that I began reading about a week ago, a week ago, a week and a half ago, called Evicted. And it's called Evicted, actually, Poverty and Profit in the American City. And it's written by this guy who's like a sociologist and he went and lived with these families over the course of like a year in inner city, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I believe it is. And it's basically just going through their day-to-day -day lives, how they live in very, very low income areas and how difficult, you know, poverty is. And it's very eye-opening actually. And it, 
And a lot of it has to do along the lines of just staying with the roof over your head, not being homeless and how these people struggle and how the cycle of poverty kind of goes uh, from generation to generation. And, and it's, it's, it's actually super interesting and it's very, very, very well written. Um, and it's kind of a little different than the typical book that I read, but I would definitely recommend it. I think it won a bunch of awards and stuff and it was recommended to me. That's why I decided to read it in the first place. It's not something that's, that sounded too appealing to me, but um, after I read it uh, or I started reading it, I'm super glad I did. And um, that's actually it for me. Awesome. Lucas, what are your picks? So my picks this week is development related to. So I've been immersed in finite state machines and state charts world. I'm trying to, to use uh, some of those techniques. I'm already using some of those techniques and try to use more here at work. And I'll talk about it uh, in the next New York meetup here. So my picks today is the website statechartgithub.io. It's like a world of resources for state charts and finite state machine. If you want to start understanding what these things are and how they can help you, I think that's the starting point. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. So my picks, I just want to remind everybody that we are still doing the pre-sale for uh, the Get a Coder job. So if you're out there looking for a job, uh, this walks through the whole process of finding a job. I've had people looking for a job for a year or more wind up finding a job in a couple of months or a couple of weeks, uh, just depending on where they were at. So, you know, if you've been out there looking for a job for a while, we can definitely get you around that corner and uh, get you set up to find a job. So yeah, definitely check it out. Get a coderjob.com. And uh, I've also been doing some work on the devchat.tv website. And one of the things that I've been using to kind of manage a lot of the stuff that's going on with that and with the hosts and everything else. I've been moving to a system called Notion, notion.so. And I really, really like it. The thing that's nice about it is it kind of splits the difference between like a wiki and having like task management and things like that in it. And so, you know, I can set up, they call them databases, but they're basically spreadsheets. I can set up task lists. I can set up a bunch of other stuff in there. And so I've been able to work through a lot of that with, with Michelle, who does a lot of the production work and just keep track of some of the stuff that I've got to get done. So uh, really liking that. So I'm going to pick that. Christopher, do you have some picks for us? I do. I've got two of them. Uh, they're both development related. First, I want to give a shout out to a friend. Uh, he's a fellow JavaScript educator. His name's Chris Ferdinandi. Focuses on vanilla JS, which uh, I guess seems a little weird for a React podcast. But uh, I definitely think that improving your plain old JS chops is one of the best ways to improve your React code. The more you just understand how JavaScript works, the better all of your code is going to be, regardless of what framework you're using. I think he does a great job. He's got uh, guides, daily tips, a podcast, uh, a bunch of other stuff. His site is at gomakethings.com. And then on the, Re on the React side of things, if you don't follow James K. Nelson on Twitter, you definitely should. He tweets out a lot of cool tips and interesting patterns. Got a bunch of stuff available at his website as well. His Twitter account is at James underscore K underscore Nelson. And you can uh, go to his website, find his cheat sheets and his state management tool, Govern, uh, his React Academy called, I think it's called React Armory. His website is jamesknelson.com. Christopher Andy, this hasn't been announced yet, but I'll, I guess I'll mention it here. Uh, Christopher Andy is the newest panelist on J JavaScript Jabber. We just worked that out this week. So I actually found that out yesterday, but I had already made my picks and decided to stick with it. But I think that's yep. uh, fantastic. I've 
known him for several years now. I uh, met him in person a few times. He's a great guy, and I think he'll be a great host. Yep. I, I think so, too. We've had him on the show once or twice. And anyway, really been impressed with what he's done as well. Awesome. All right. Well, so if people want to get your courses, I just want to give you one last chance to plug those. Sure. You can, you can check out 5-Minute React, which again is a full stack JavaScript and React course. You build an entire API with express.js and then you connect to it with a React front end. Uh, you also connect to a third-party API and you store some of that stuff uh, on your database. Uh, it uses MongoDB. It even talks about setting up servers. It's really thorough. Uh, everything's broken up into 5-Minute videos and everything's straightforward. If you sign up, there's also support options and so forth. You can go to 5minutereact.com to find tons of information about that course. Additionally, I have an upcoming React Native course coming out, which will get you all up and running with mobile development. You do need to know React for it. Uh, at this time, I'm planning on releasing a future expansion that will uh, basically teach the React part as well as the React Native course. Uh, but for the first one, which is coming hopefully early, uh, late summer or early fall, you need to be a React developer, but that's called Dead Simple React Native. And it, you can go to deadsimplereactnative.com and it will take you to uh, an info page where you can sign up to be alerted when, when the course comes out. And additionally, again, weekly newsletter, free JavaScript tips, resources, sign up. It'll be great. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, we will catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>